Morning. How's everybody doing? Morning. Morning. Okay, that's good. That's good. What a meeting last week, eh? Yeah. Mm. Well, two of you agree with me that yeah. last week was amazing. Do you, do you remember what happened? You know, there's a thing about, you know, you actually remember something for 72 hours. That's what they say. Like, if you hear my sermon today, 72 hours later, you're going to be like, what did you preach about again? But there's certain moments that mark you. And I think last week was one of those moments that marked us as a church. And what it was with our kids' work and the teachers involved. I mean, to put Celestia and Joe that are leading that and stuff. Just phenomenal to see their hearts, to see Matt and his heart for the youth. And that we walk together in what God is doing with us. Phenomenal. Um, Sammy, they did the worship. How awesome was that, eh? That was pretty cool. You guys were dancing around like you haven't done in a while. It was pretty cool. Hey, and then prophetic words declared over young children's lives. Speaking out the truth, bringing out the destiny and purpose in their hearts and their lives. Breaking the myth. I think Tony's thing on these, if you've had a dysfunctional family, you're never going to understand the Father heart of God. But actually relating in the Word of God how many families were dysfunctional. And yet, still those people arose and did great exploits for the King. None of us are excluded. eh? Very powerful. Very powerful. So let's keep looking to what God's going to do with our young work. And I trust that your hearts have been stirred to give into their lives. Yeah. One of these Sundays, I'm going to be going teaching a young class. Yeah. On a Sunday morning, you can listen to someone else preach. But I've got, to, I've got to invest in them. Not only my own children, but we all got to give some time and effort. And you know, it's not difficult. Yeah. It's not difficult. If you come into church to get, do you come here just to get? Or do you come here to give? I think it's more to... Mm, it's to give. Because we live in a consumer society. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give my name's Jimmy. Sorry to your brother whose name is Jimmy. <laughs> it's all about, oh, there's Sammy. I didn't see you. Well done last Sunday. Sure, very good. See, it's about giving. You come and give to the Lord. You come and pour out. Because you know what the Lord said? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, those words are in red letters in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Paul says them. But you won't find them in any of the Gospels. But he said, our Lord said to us, it's more blessed to give than receive. So there's a lot recorded in those Gospels that Jesus said. And there's a lot there that is reflected and spoke. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Don't look so worried when you look at me now. You're all looking for the deep theological feeling of what I should be feeling in that place. Just come and serve and give. And just pour out what's in your heart. It's really not difficult. From serving tea to helping the kids work to discipling the young youth and seeing these kids who are the future running with what we've got here. Because Alison's word this morning was spot on. The 75-year-olds have experienced a lot more in life than we have. Zita's laughing because she's seen the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God through her whole life. Was it easy? No. But is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes. He is good. The goodness of God will never, ever fail you. And that's why we can take the position of being secure in Him and not mope around when we've got trouble. And not, woe is me, because because your position's actually in heaven. So what you're doing is when you're looking at all your circumstances, you're looking from that perspective down. If you're trying to get to heaven, you're lost. Oh Lord, woe is me, save me out of this. Okay, a lot of that was crying in the Old Testament. Uh, lament is good. It's a part of what it is. But actually, you are in that position of victory. You are in that position what God has for you because you look from heaven to earth and you press through the circumstance, press through the trial. That's why in the midst of circumstance, you can worship and celebrate. That's why it's possible. It's this weird dichotomy that the Christian walk has, this upside-down kingdom. It doesn't make sense. If the world's sad and, and moping, you can see the world is sad and moping. All those guys that lost that final were crying because <laughs> it wasn't feeling good. Right? Okay, and that's nothing to do with my sermon today. I was just kind of venting and ranting at you in my heart. That's all good. Okay, you're still not really with me. You're getting there. You're like, <laughs> he's like, sure, bro, tone it down. Eh? Come on, people. We are the head, not the tail. There is a far better position. Eh? <laughs> now there's more people smiling at me. Relax. Eh? Come on, eh? It's good. So I've pumped you up because what I want to do is give a little bit of a financial update. 
Okay, so now you're laughing and we can talk about money. Look at that. It's a joyous subject to talk about finances. But there's a purpose of why I'm not going to put a PowerPoint up there. Because I want you to listen to me. Okay, I want to listen to what I'm saying here. Is that God has been very good to us. We own a building here that is worth now probably, and the land, probably about 20 million rand. We owe nothing. We've owed nothing on this for the last 15 years. God is good. He has been very faithful to us. We can't see what tomorrow looks like, but God is good. He is faithful to us. And I want to put a challenge to us together that we carry what God is doing with us in this community. Okay? You're not giving because you've got to sustain some, you know, minuscule little work here. You are sustaining something that is making a massive difference in our community. That is making a massive difference in people's hearts and lives. To chore out, that is the church. Okay? And you can debate on what it all is about. But I want to give you a little synopsis. Six months. The last six months, our income, okay, has been at an average of... Um, let me get the notes first so I'll tell you the right stuff. Hey? On an average... Of 234,000 Rand every month. Okay, for the last six months. Which is not bad. In there was a gift from friends of ours from another nation who are poured into us of 200,000 Rand. If you take the 200,000 Rand out, its average is at 200,000 Rand a month. What we require to get by, just with the basics, is 250,000 Rand every month. So in theory, we're running at a little bit of a loss. Okay, which. Is not panic stations in God's economy. But what I'm putting to you is, here's the thing. If 400 people gave 500 rand a month, 400 people give 500 rand a month, that makes 200,000 rand. So what is it going to take for us to get to 250,000 rand every month so that just together we can sustain what God is doing with us and not fall behind? Because it's all a bind. We're all in this together. If 400 people just gave 650 rand a month. That's 260,000 rand. And it balances out. So I'm putting a challenge. I'm not saying if you give, you must now give more and uh, pour out more. You know whether you're giving or not. You know whether you're being faithful to what God is saying. Okay? We've never put a heavy on you. We've never... We've always done... And funny, my preach today is going to be about riches and money. And and, uh, Alison referred to that this morning. Do not look to the rich. So what I'm putting to you is, there are at least 400, probably 500 people that say they're part of the bay. Their hearts are invested into this place. I don't know if their pockets are invested in this place, but their hearts are invested. If 400 people give 650 rand a month, we will balance out. All we want to start doing now is sustain what we're doing here. Okay, we're not trying to push it beyond because I believe God is going to pour out to us. These last two years have been a test with finances. But we've never come hard at you because it's by grace yeah. that we give. There's no rule, rules, there's laws, there's principles with money, but we give into this. So I'm putting that challenge to you. Yeah. For you to go away and not to know, but I give, if you're faithful, amen. If you've been struggling in this area, that this is the one thing that God says, test me. Test me. Okay? And that's where we're at. And I think there's some of you that earn more than 6,500 rand a month. That is a reality. That's 650 rand a month. You see, so some will give more, and some will have to give less according to their earnings. That's the way it works. Yeah. That's why it balances out. That's why we're a family. And we're not ashamed to talk about money. No. Okay? There's nothing like, yeah, you're pushing me, buddy. Stop pushing me, eh? Mm, it's principle. Yeah. Okay? So I'm just putting that to you. 400 people, 650 rand a month. We sustain what God's doing here. Okay? Because it would, it would be a, a terrible thing to have to close the church down. <laughs> Woe is me, hey? Oh, shame. It's never going to close down, okay? All right, because God has been faithful. Beyond this house, we've got money that's come in from other sources that have sustained us. See how God is faithful? But we need to carry it. He's putting it to us, saying we carry it and do it together. Okay, amen? Amen. 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 That's right. Thank you for agreeing with me as we move forward. And here's the, the chance I'm going to be speaking on James when he mentions and speaks about all these people with riches. Riches, riches, lots of money, wealth, and what he says to them. I want to read firstly from that first little section in James 1. I'll read from the ESV, and then I'm going to just put up on the screens, and we'll have it from the the Passion Translation. But he says in chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, Let the lowly brother in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation 
because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass and its flowers fall, flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Now, I wonder who James is writing to when he's saying this. There's a few people that say he's writing to the, he can't be writing to the Jews because they were poor people. And the un, he's, well, he's writing to the unbelievers. So he's writing to the rich and stuff. There's a few contexts of who he could be writing this to. But clearly he's speaking to those that have a lot. And he's actually pointing some stuff out to them this morning. Let's go to chapter 5. And I'll read from, you can put that up on the screens now. Uh, Shane. He says, James 1. We're just going to read the first uh, until verse 6. So it says, now this is, I read this last week, but it's worth reading again. Because it's pretty straightforward. Listen, all you who are rich. For it's time to weep and howl over the misery that will overtake you. What an encouraging message. If you're rich this morning, don't be condemned. Because they say somebody that has a solid square meal every day is rich in today's society. Okay, so put that into perspective. Okay? Your riches lie rotting. Your grain, your materials, your, your, all that stuff, your gold, your silver, your fine clothing eaten by moths, and your gold and silver are corroded as a witness against you. As I said, gold and silver don't rust. Their, their garments are going to be eaten by moths. Their grain is going to go rotten. You have hoarded up treasure for the last days, but it will become a fire to burn your flesh. Listen! Can't you hear the cries of the laborers over the wages you fraudulently held back from those who work for you? The cries for justice of those you've cheated have reached the ears of the Lord of armies. I said this last week too. When the Lord hears, you don't want to be on the wrong side of when the Lord hears and responds with His wrath and justice. Next slide there, Shane. You have indulged yourselves with every luxury and pleasure this world offers. But you're only stuffing your heart full for a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered good and innocent people who have no power to defend themselves. And last week I spoke, so I've done this back to front, but last week I spoke on being patient. Or two weeks ago, sorry, being patient. So we're just going to hang it there. Okay, thanks James for being so straightforward and not beating around the bush. And uh, clearly speaking, not between the lines, it's pretty direct at you. Okay, the word is going to challenge you. This shouldn't condemn you. Okay, it's going to, it should encourage you. It should give you perspective. It should help you see from every psalm. And there's a guy that says, money talks. Money talks, eh? But all I hear money ever saying to me is goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. It's, it's there, but not there. And I've always liked ABBA. I like their music. It's quite funky. Pretty cool. But yes, some lyrics to a song about money. Money, money. Must be funny. It's a rich man's world. Money, money, money. Always sunny. It's a rich man's world. All the things I can do if I had a little money. It's a rich man's world. I know those songs. I know those songs. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. In my dreams I have a plan. If I got me a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work at all. I'd fool around and have a ball. Money, money, money. It's the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. So, yeah, money is, money is a, an interesting conversation to have about. Because when you look at the extent of the wealth that is in this world today, there's enough money for everyone. There's actually enough food for everyone. But we have poverty. We have people dying of starvation. We have all these realities. Talking to Anton the other day, the top 
one or top three earners in America earn more or have more money than 50% of American earners. Three people. And then there's this one woman that's going on about the super tax, that they need to be taxed, all these wealthy people. If they are taxed one more percent, it'll pay for all education and all medical bills for everybody to have free education medical. So there's clearly a disparity in society. Now, this is, this is what James is talking about. Okay, so you hoard it all up, you store it all up, you know, and it's clearly that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And that's what James is saying. But it's pretty obvious, okay, and relevant still to today's society. That's written 2,000 years ago. It's still very relevant for today. And I'm just going to go through quickly what James is saying because I want to hop on something else today. It's pretty obvious what he's saying. He's saying questions. He questions the way they've got their wealth. So you've hold back wages from people. You've controlled the courts with your power. You've kind of done things in certain ways. So this, you've, the way you've got your money is not the greatest procedure that you've taken. The way the rich use their wealth, they store it up. They keep others from benefiting from it. And they live in this luxury society. And they live just with exuberance and too much. And what their riches will do, he says to them, they will vanish. And you misuse your riches. Er misused riches erodes your character. Judgment is a certainty that you're going to stand for one day. And the loss of a precious opportunity. That in the last days, he says, we are living in the last days. It's written 2,000 years ago. These guys were, <coughs> the expectation of Jesus returning was very real. And that's what he's saying. You're missing out on a great opportunity here. And the reality is, they were, he was speaking to the Jerusalem people. Ten years after he wrote that, Jerusalem was attacked and fell. And all those people lost their riches. Oh. See, it's so, like he says in the first chapter, like the flower of the field. The sun comes up, burns it, scorched, gone. That's all it is, riches. And we hoard and we store it up. Now I want you to know, I'm not aiming at you this morning. I'm helping you see that in the context of the world we live in, God is still good. Yeah. Our hope, as Alison said, do not look to the rich. <laughs> How many of you just thought, if only he just gave me some money, he's got so much. Just give me some money. You're not even going to realize it's not there. <laughs> it don't work like that. Okay? And we can be very disheartened when we see the wicked prosper. David says, oh, you know, he sees the why do the wicked prosper and live these seemingly lives of freedom and exuberance. And I say seemingly lives of freedom yeah. because yeah. when you dig just a little bit deeper, yeah. you realize every one of them is in need just as you and I are in need. Not in need of stuff, in need of assurance, a deep knowing that, you know what, I have nothing, but I've got everything. It's very different. I've been watching some, what, what happened tomorrow in 1981? What happened tomorrow? 29th of July. Ella was born, but clearly not 1981. <laughs> tomorrow on the 29th of July in 1981, Prince Charles and Prince Diana got married. 750 million people and they say at that stage, there may be only three and a half billion people on the planet. Nearly a third of the planet watched their wedding. Probably a quarter of the planet watched their wedding. And then you actually get into what was going down there in Diana's life. It was a disaster. She's an amazing lady. Incredible, what do they call her? The princess of the people. I, I, I'm intrigued by this stuff. I've watched documentaries for hours like of people's lives and how it happened. But actually, you dig a little deeper, she was a very unhappy girl. Charles was actually in love with another woman. Camilla, what he's married now. And the truth's all there. But they have everything. Come on. Come on. It looks so... Oh, come on, you're a princess, man. I mean, you, you, you are the envy of all the ladies in this world. Like, to be the princess of the most... Um, what do they call him? Eligible bachelor in the world. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Not to Charles, thanks. I don't think so. I think he's still a bit grumpy. 
Sorry, those British people. What do you think about Charles there, Steve? Huh? Yeah, there's no comment. He says no comment. He's like, we, we won the World Cup. Who cares? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Put it in your perspective, buddy. You know? yeah, so it's not all that it seems. Don't look at the rich and go, wow, lucky you. I promise you there's some depth there that's clearly missing in hearts. That they don't have any assurance of the king because their wealth has the thing that gives them assurance. And here's the thing. Is being wealthy a sin? Is being prosperous a sin? Definitely not. You could be sitting in this room and be one of the most wealthy people in the world. That's totally fine by us. You're part of us. Your wealth doesn't give you any more before God. Okay. So wealth is not a sin. Wealth can be blessing from God when you know how to handle it and you know how to use it for the purpose that it's actually created for. For blessing and to pouring out into other people's lives. And Jesus often spoke about money. And it's interesting that most times with money, it's spoken about with a warning or a reality about what it is. And the blessing of what it can be. And the rich young ruler with all his wealth came to impress the Lord, speaking to him on the road as they're walking along there. And what did Jesus just expose in his heart straight away? was his covetousness about what he actually had. Just boom, straight away. And he was like, he left away confused. and what, but, but, but he couldn't give it all away because it made, it made him who he is. It gave him his identity. So I want to just say three things this morning. When it comes to finances, I believe we need three things. Okay? You need wisdom. Bless Solomon for asking for wisdom before riches. He got wisdom, and God poured out riches to him. With wisdom, and I've said to you, wealth is not a sin. When you get it, here's the thing. I've said this before in this pulpit many years ago. 90 to 95% of people that have won the British lottery years ago are worse off from than they were before they won the lottery. Because they don't know how to manage wealth. You need wisdom. If we are trusting God to pour out wealth to us, which we are, because if we have wealth, we can make a difference. But here's the thing. If you have 200 rand in the bank or 200 million in the bank, will you act differently? Your joy shouldn't be any different. Your assurance shouldn't be any different. Your perspective, your attitude to life shouldn't be any different because your bank account does not dictate that to you. It's, far, it's a far deeper assurance that you have with the king of all kings here. So we are trusting that God is going to pour wealth to us because the stuff we can do with money and make a difference and make an impact into our community and our city is obvious. But we don't look to that. We look to the king and we trust he will pour it to us. Firstly, wisdom. Secondly, knowing that everything we have here on earth, we have been called to be good stewards of. Realizing it's not actually yours. It's all his. It's not yours. Are you being a good steward of what is God's? And here's the definition of a steward. He looks after something as if it were his own. So you all have your salaries and go, it's my money. Yeah, that's clearly it is. But it's his. You're a steward of that. And what you're doing with it, he's watching. I'm not talking just about finances here. We need to be good stewards of the gifts God has given us. We need to be stewards in our marriage, in our relationships, in the friendships we have. We are good stewards of creation. All around us, it plays into being those stewards for the kingdom, but what Christ has given us and God has given us here on earth. Good stewards. It's all His, but He's asked us. And the third thing is that God is our source. We do not look to man. Man could provide. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. But we don't go knocking on the wicked's door saying, give me your money, honey. Give me the bread, Fred. Give me the dough, Joe. I might also do three of them. <laughs> Wrap it up. And bless my mother when, give me the bread, Joe. I'm like, no, mom. <laughs> no. That, that one didn't work, eh? She was a renowned for that. Like me, getting jokes messed up. But I'm getting good. I'm getting better. I'm, better. I'm getting better. <laughs> Steve, don't laugh so loud at that, bro. Yeah. Wisdom, stewardship, and God being our source. Those things are key when it comes to finances. 
So this is not going to be a financial planning session here and teaching how to budget. Will can do that with you. He's very good with money. And you want to learn more about kingdom and business, they'll teach you what it all is about. And I bet you the last thing they talk about is budgeting and financial stuff because there's a lot of stuff you need to learn before and have a foundation set in place. This is all a matter of your heart. The heart. Why? Because where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So what is important to you in earthly things, your heart will follow. So the reality of you needing your team to win the World Cup, you will invest time, money, energy, and resource into making sure that that is a part of your world, your team, your British Premier team that is going to have to win. That starts now in a week. Help me, Jesus, with Supersport adverts about Premiership Soccer. It's back. I don't watch it. I don't care about it. Just putting that out there. Sorry to all those guys for Chelsea and Man United and all these wonderful teams. If it's a treasure, you'll give a lot of time and effort and energy to it. Amen. I see that hand. The Springboks, well done. 16 all. That's fantastic. If image is important to you, and it's a treasure in your heart, the way you look, the way things are in this world, you will put time, money, resource, energy into those things. Treasures are related to stuff. And it's here in the heart that it starts. It's linked to idolatry, stuff that is taking your worship, and where your worship's not fully onto who the king of all kings is. So, so let's look at some things, because as I'm saying, the heart is linked to what we like, what we do, and who we are. So let's look at some things that stir in our hearts when it comes to money. Now be honest with me, I bet you, or every one of these, we've all, we've all had these things stir in our hearts. Greed. This is exciting stuff. Jealousy. Jealousy. They've got, I don't. Hmm. I bet that didn't work as hard, but they've got more. Envy. That's linked to that. Pride. When you have pride. Wow. Entitlement. I'm owed this. I've put effort in for this. You don't know what my story's been. Covetness. Sure, if only we had, if only we won the lotto. Because if we won the lotto, I would first give to the church. <laughs> I've said that years ago too. Who of you have said, if I won the lottery, I'd give my mom, my dad, I'd give my brothers and my sisters. But no, we'd always give to the church first. Kind of stuff. Aiden's already talking like that. I mean, the ex is with money, unbelievable. I don't know. There's something on this kid. Well, you're going to have to raise him up to be a, something up to teach him about cash. Yeah. And funny enough, as a seven year old, he went, Dad, I'll first, I'll give to the church. Because <laughs> we've got to change people's lives. And I asked him, Well, what does the church do with money, boy? Ah, oh, well, we help people, we do stuff. And I'm just probing. That's, I'm actually discipling, showing you about cash and how this thing works out. So there's fear with money, there's guilt. There's shame with God's finances. There's striving. And there's slavery. Because you grind at this stuff to get it. Just so we can get through. Those are things we've all experienced in our hearts at different times. But there's other good stuff. You know, regards money. And there's good things in our heart. We want to be generous. Right? We want to love. We want to be kind. There's sowing. There's reaping. We the blessed life, I've got joy. We're believing for breakthrough. Actually, we're living in breakthrough. Good word. There's an abundance. There's overflow. There's increase. These are the good things. And now it's quite clear there's a list there of good and evil. Eh? And the whole, whole life is like, you can't be like that. Okay, we try hard not to be that, that guy that just is greedy or envious or covetous. And we really try harder to all the good things. And we, with our finance, to be a blessing. And to be generous with what we have. And there's this tussle between the good and evil. Amen? Mm. I think it's true. So now, what we do to try and have less of that, but more of this, we have to repent of this covetous thinking and repent of our pride and keep confessing these things over and over again. We pray more saying, God, please pour out. If I read the word more, have more of the word in me, I'll be less of this guy, but I'll be more of this guy. And we constantly have this tussle between good and evil. So by taking that approach, you're acting as a little bit of a slave. 
to a, where some sort of system or process that you're going after here is saying that the harder I try to be less of that and the more I try to be more of that, it's going to produce something. And we've all felt that. We've all tried that. So this method and seems to promote the idea that what effort I put in is directly linked to the measurement of output when it comes to trying to be less of this and to try and be more of that. Okay? So output can mean many things. In the measurement of blessing that you would like to be poured out in your life, to be healthy, to be prosperous, to have success, to have status here, to be able to have some power that you can help and lead. You know, people have positions of power, but that's position and all about recognition and trying hard for these things, right? There's a pursuit. We all have operated like that. So we're essentially asking God, are my good works being received and are you noticing them? In other words, you're saying, oh, am I good enough? Am I offering you enough so that I can live this blessed and prosperous life? And we say it to God like, everything we have, we've done it all to get it. Really? Some would say, you know, Steve said this phrase here, the phrase today used more than ever in the last probably 20 years, self-made millionaire. Self-made. We live in a society where everyone's self-made. They put the effort in. So they look back and go, I did that. If you can look in your life and say, I did that, then you don't need God. And it seems like by trying harder, we're trying to pay God back something for which we can't afford. And it seems like it's a slow death of trying to gain his love, favor, and attention for what you do. Let's just think about the rich and famous that have lived in this world. And some have amazing legacies. What did they leave behind? Everything. Everything. They left everything behind. They can leave a legacy, but they left everything, everything behind. The pre-verse to Matthew 6, verse 21, that says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, is this. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where, this is Jesus speaking, and where thieves break in and steal. I remember using this passage with a guy when I worked in the security industry years ago, and he was a Christian, and he was umming and about getting an alarm system. I was like, China, it speaks about thieves breaking in in the Bible. Okay, if you want an alarm system for today's world to stop those guys, just buy the alarm. Don't get all spiritual about buying an alarm system on me. Okay, there we go. And where thieves break in and steal, right, the alarm caught them, they're not going to take anything. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you, the whole purpose of you being on earth and living for the kingdom where Christ has anointed you to use and operate within the gifting and the passion to influence the culture around you because you have an anointing to operate with power. That's your purpose on earth. He has given you stuff inside of your heart and life to influence people around you. And he's anointed you for that purpose. And that is your goal. Oh, and by the way, if it is to make wealth, go ahead and do it. See the perspective? The world runs after that first and this then they'll give. Our pursuit is not that. Our pursuit is the king of all kings. And when he does a work in our hearts and lives, when it pulls out to us, we always say thanks to him. And your motions don't change according to 200 rand or 200 million. It stays the same. Because you know where it all comes from anyway. It's from his source. He's the king of kings. So I just want to go back to the beginning here a little bit. Right in the beginning, Genesis 2. Now I've given you the disparity of your heart between two, the good and the evil. Let's just get the chapters. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You must surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. It was a death inside that took place. Okay, the next passage is Genesis 3.22. Now this is the fall that's happened. Where we know what happened here. Eve blamed Adam and Adam blamed the serpent who didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> I'll drink to that. I think that's about the fourth joke this morning. You must be impressed. Thanks, thanks Neville. Chapter 3, verse 22 says this. Don't tell me you haven't heard the one before. Okay, good. Uh, thanks very much. It just fitted right in, you see. Then the Lord God said, Behold. Now this is after the fall. Behold. The man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden and he placed the cherubim and flaming sword that turned every way. I mean you can imagine every way to guard the tree of life. So yeah, God's plan of redemption was set in motion right from the very beginning. Do you notice that Adam and Eve sewed themselves up with fig leaves? But what did God do? He slaughtered and sacrificed animals and clothed them with their, with their skin. There's the first mark of blood covenant. Yes, they had done wrong, but he was setting some order in place and he still, he still covered and protected them through a covenant that he'd set in place with his people. And he clothed them. What does Paul say in Galatians 3.27? For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So let's look at that list of money again. And all the evil that's in our hearts when it comes to money. Greed, pride, envy, covetousness. And then we're trying to be on the good side of money. What tree are you eating from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what we try and do is, and let's narrow this down to finances, what we're talking about this morning. What happened to Adam and Eve? They did wrong. So what are the three things they felt? Guilt, fear, and shame. And what did they do? They hid. They hid away. So you've done wrong. You operate in fear, guilt, and shame. God comes to seek you out in the garden. And it's not like he's roaming around not knowing where they are. It's like a lost son. Adam, Adam, where are you? It's not like when I find you, I'm going to sort you out. <laughs> when, I, when I get... When Adam, where are you? We, we had, we, what, what has happened, Adam? So, when it comes to God and our finances and we feel guilt, fear and shame, what do we do? We hide. Don't talk about it. You cover up. You, you lie. Well, <laughs> she made me do it. You make excuses. You blame you manipulate to get what you want out of this because the motive of your heart hasn't been really shown out yet. <laughs> but what does God do? He clothes you and He covers you. Here's the thing. They needed to be banished from the garden. Because that word that says they, if they, they are like us now. They know good and evil. If they eat from that tree of life, they will live forever. But here's the thing. Adam could not pay the price. 
He was not worthy enough to pay the price which was required that we now live in of life. There was only one. You see, how often in this world do we eat from the tree of good and evil? That's wrong. That's right. I'm getting it wrong. I'll try hard. i get it right here. This is a big thing in money. Because it's proving with our bank balance. It's a challenge. It's a journey of learning about the process when it comes to finances. Adam could not pay the price that was required for redemption and full life. And the decay in Adam's body was set in place. That he would live to a certain number of times and years. And that he's still playing out in society today with our bodies. But here's the joy, folks. Here is the joy that we have. There was a first Adam. And then there wasn't the second Adam. There was the last Adam. <laughs> Come on. I'm Finney Hearts getting a bit freer when it comes to this. Because it is written... This is Paul in Corinthians saying, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a living, giving, life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, and was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. He is the one that could pay the price of our full redemption, whose blood would cover all of our sins, past, present, future, who has restored back to us the union with God as if we are walking in the garden. Now that is our Christ. We eat of the tree of life. And I want to break this over you this morning and declare over us that when it comes to money, you cannot look between good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You have to look from the place of life because he is the source of all that we have. Everything that we need for life and godliness is found in him, not in the riches of this world. And if we get our perspective right about who we are desiring and asking for, everything else will flow because Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, there's something important about righteousness. That if you're immature in God, you will struggle to pursue righteousness. You'll get caught up in your own things and woe is me. But for the mature, you will pursue righteousness. Because it's a desire in your heart to live for God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's perspective. It's the tree of life. If we keep looking to the world and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we will always fall short because we don't feel we're doing good enough or getting by with what we have. These are the things that motivate us. That's why we can say with confidence, I am motivated by grace. I am not motivated by rules and laws because we have died to sin and law and death. So here it comes when we speak about wealth, Money, riches, finances, we are called to be good stewards of what is already God's. And through the power of redemptive love, we are set free from the law of sin and death, but brought us into freedom. For we are clothed with righteousness by His grace, because where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, where, and what Paul says in 1 Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So if you're bound by money, if you're bound by the guilt and the fear and the shame when it comes to finances, you've been looking at the wrong tree. Yeah. You've got to look to the tree of life. Yeah. That is your source. Yeah. And, and they knew that with Adam. He cannot eat of that because he will live forever. But here's the joy. We eat of the tree of life. We do now live forever. Yeah. 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 Betty and Desmond's sister, Betty's daughter, who passed away this last week, we did their a beautiful funeral service yesterday. And we went to the Clip Road, um, Clip Road Cemetery. And I tell you, it was, it's, it's actually such a, a powerful process to watch that grave going, the, 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 the coffin going down, and they're covering it with sand the whole way. It's final, it's complete. But she lives forever. Five days before she passed away, she found Jesus. 
Hey? That's redemption. That's the power of the living God. That Adam couldn't pay. Our Jesus. And right from the very beginning, the Father Almighty set a plan of redemption in place. Through all these things of redeeming His people, finding the people, redeeming them, setting them in order, setting them in place that they know He's good, that His faithfulness endures forever. And He sent His Son Jesus to set it all back in order. So just as if you were walking in the garden with the Father Almighty. That's how powerful this union that's been set in place for us. And when it comes to finances, I want to encourage you. I want to say this thing just to end off here today. Don't try and hide from God in your finances. Because He's clothed you. He's redeemed you. He's trusted you. And He's set you free. Walk and talk with God in the garden about your finances. Ask Him for wisdom. Don't hide. <laughs> when you hide from somebody who you owe money to, and I've had this with traffic fines particularly, <laughs> they find you. I'm like, hello. What are you doing at my offices? Walk and talk with God about your finances. Don't hide. Walk with Him. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you the understanding. And allow and ask for wisdom to be a good steward of what He's given to you to look after. You see, because it's obvious. What James is saying in this passage, it's obvious. We can see that happening in our world, right? But I'm, I'm quite assured that I'm, the people I'm speaking to here this morning are not caught up in the desire for riches only. That's why I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching about a context of what we look to for God to pour out to us. And He's the source of everything. So as you go in life, allow yourself to catch yourself going, I'm looking at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not going to help me. It's just making me aware. And that's what happened with that tree. The moment they ate the fruit, what happened? They became conscious of their sin, of their shortfalling, of realizing we have done wrong. When you sit in that place, you have to look to the tree of life. And that gives you life. That covers you. That actually gives you freedom. This is the truth of what it means now when Paul's saying, for freedom, Christ has set you free. It sounds like it contradicts, but freedom is something there. Freedom looks like something. Freedom acts in a certain way. Freedom lives in a certain way in and through you. And that's what our Jesus has done for us. And I want to pray over you this morning that when it comes to money, you can't try and out-please God with it. When it comes to trying to do stuff for God, you can't out-please Him. You can't outwork Him. You can't give it back to Him. You're just good stewards of what He's given you and your gifts. And one of those things is money. Amen. Let's stand together. I want to just pray over you. Okay. You want to say something? Okay. Mickey's just saying to me that there's somebody here who believes maybe one or two people that before we close this meeting, we've got to give you the opportunity to respond to this King Jesus. Because every one of us here that sits here, we worship and we glorify the King because we have found the truth in our Lord. And if in your heart you know your heart's been beating quicker, you're feeling the Spirit of God is wooing you this morning, and you're just knowing in your own heart I need to respond to this king. I need to submit and surrender my whole life to him. Everyone here has knows what that feels like. Because we've tasted of the tree of life. It's given us this freedom that we have. And that's why we can say we are motivated by grace. Tell you, law and rules just do not motivate me. Almost like sometimes when someone tries to put rules on me, I almost want to get rebellious. On purpose. Don't bring your legalistic kind of approach to stuff here. It's not going to work. Grace. This is grace. You feel it? You're under no compulsion. But it's a response to what He's done for you. Let's all just close our eyes and pray. And honor the King.
And I just want to first say, if that, if that is you this morning, that you know in your heart the Holy Spirit has been quickening your heart to say, I need to respond. I need to surrender. I need to give my life to this King. I want you just to, I want you just to wave at me. Wherever you are, I just want to get your attention. Okay? All right, I can see that guy at the back there. That's good. If there's anyone else... Okay, I'm speaking about salvation now. You know you need to enter and surrender your life to the kingdom of God. Amen. So there's one brother there. And I asked a few of you guys just to go check with him. Now, buddy, it's a phenomenal that you want to respond to Jesus this morning. Because Mickey said there's one person here that needs to respond. He's at the back there, Tony. I know he's probably going to just... And these guys will sit and chat with you. And they'll talk to you about the truth of who Jesus is into your heart and your life. Yeah. Come on, let's just applaud the King. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Heaven rejoices at far more at one being saved Amen. than all our good exploits and works on earth. Amen. I can tell you. Let's just respond to Him as we just reflect on what's been said this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You that You are the giver of life. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have tasted of the freedom we now have because of the price that you've paid for us. Where man could not set it in order. But you sent your one and only son, Lord Jesus, to set an order in place that now rectifies everything with us and the Father. You have made a way for us to access the Father. And Lord, when we come to you about our finances and our money and the wealth and we look at the riches of this world, Father, we pray that you would help us in our hearts. Not to look at the wicked and all their wealth and despise it in our hearts. But know, Lord Jesus, that we have the assurance of everything we ever need is found in you. And we want to believe, Lord, that over this community, you would continually pour blessing and favor upon our businesses, upon sales deals, upon our, our work that we do. Father, I pray you'd continue to prosper us. I pray that we would arise as an answer, Lord, to this community and to the city when it comes to this thing of finances, that we would be in another level and league of understanding what this is about because you are our source. Nothing else. You are our source. So if we ask of you, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, you would give us understanding in how we pursue these things to, to see the church making a difference in this community and the city. Lord, we don't want to be ashamed. We don't want to be guilty. We don't have fear when it comes to finances. We want to talk freely and openly about being stewards of what you have given us. And I speak that over every heart here this morning. Go away this week. Test your heart about being a steward of what God has given you with your finances. And together, see, God's doing this for us together that we own and work things together. So, Father, we just release your grace over every heart. We want to thank you that your grace is the thing that motivates us to live lives of goodness for you and your kingdom. So we pray blessing. We speak freedom over every single heart. And we will honor you today, King Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Have a fantastic week. Yeah.